So hello, everyone. This is Otessa, and you are listening to Conversations with Hysterical Women. That's Women with an X, the Hysterical Women podcast, where you are all welcome here, friends, allies, everywhere across the rainbow, across the binary. I'm just really glad to have you be here. And this is meant to be a safe space to explore all of the weird things that life throws at us and all of the different ways in which we can be twisted and torn asunder, but also all the different ways that we can come back together. So thank you for listening, and I'm glad that you're here and going to be cheesy, but comment, like, subscribe. Can you say that again? That was so good. <laughs> yeah, if I can remember. Uh, I think it was just that uh, we never know, like, what people have going on in the background. We don't know what other browser tabs they have open, even while they're posting on Instagram. I like to say that someone is a, like, one, oh, my God, I love my life, post away from, like, totally losing their shit. Yeah. Because it's always those people who are like, things are so perfect, where you're like, mm, but are they? Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. I really love that. Um, if it's all right with you, may I segue into something that you had mentioned previously that Absolutely. really struck with me? I'm going to go a little bit out of order just because this is kind of where my loopy brain went. Yeah. But we were talking about the body positivity movement. I mean, I, yeah, it's, so I, since a very tiny young person, I have always been overweight forever. And I was bullied in elementary school and in high school, I got pretty skinny, but it was through, you know, shitty eating disordery stuff Mm -hmm. that I think a lot of young girls dabble in, unfortunately, you know, was an exerciseaholic in college for a while. And then after college, I just got so depressed and my thyroid got screwed up. Like we talked about then I gained a hundred pounds in a year. Wow. One year I gained a hundred pounds and I did not know my body and I didn't know how it moved or how it felt or what to do with it or how to let people look at it or how the hell I was supposed to look at it. And it made me more depressed. It was this whole fucking cycle. And I, in my head, for me personally, I have kind of two modes of body image. I see myself as either being sad fat or happy fat. Because for me, I can be happy fat, which means like going out to dinners with friends where we all split a piece of chocolate cake and, you know, I'm too busy to necessarily work a gym into my schedule. Mm -hmm. Not ideal, but at least I feel good. Then there's sad fat, which was me like super depressed, couldn't get out of bed would not get out of bed. Like I had such bad anxiety then about leaving my apartment that I just wouldn't for, you know, 10 days at a time. There's some weird agoraphobia stuff that interplayed when I stopped liking my body. Mm -hmm. And so finally me being me one day, I was like, well, this sucks. Time to start liking my body. If this is the way that it's going to look because I had, I kept trying to lose weight and it wasn't working because my thyroid was messed up and I was depressed mentally and wasn't happening. So I did a bunch of research and found a bunch of statistics about things that help you accept your body. One of the most important ones being, um, I think it's something like when polled, 70% of people say that they like their faces. They think their faces are attractive, but only about 12% say that they like their body. And psychologists have studied this and they believe it's because we see our faces so often in our day-to-day that we have come to accept and appreciate them where we hide our bodies away and a lot of us don't even look at them when we get out of the shower in the mirror right Hmm. 
So I started making an effort to take photos of myself uh, in the mirror. I would get out of the shower and just like set a timer on my phone for a minute and just stare at my body. And it sucked. Yeah. (laughs) It It was the worst thing. But over time I started, I really truly started loving my body. And then as kind of my mental health recovered and um, my physical health recovered, my body is naturally just starting to sort of go back to its homeostasis, Mm -hmm. um, which is lovely. That's whatever. Yeah. And And this is about how everything is intertwined. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. Like I feel like the obesity epidemic in a lot of ways is part of the mental health epidemic because, and I say this from my own personal experience. I know that everybody's body is completely different. But for me, it was the direct link. That and the thyroid, naturally, my metabolism yeah. wasn't metabolizing. Yeah. So now that my body's kind of going back to normal, my normal, of course, I don't know. Like, even even saying that word, right? My body is going back to my normal mm-hmm. makes me feel weird because I'm like, oh, I am still rejecting that fatter version of myself. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a nuanced process. And to me, like, that's what body positivity is ultimately, is that all yes. of us like the way we look, regardless of how we look. This is also the statistics that you said about 70% of people say that they like their face and only 12% say that they like their body. Those might be wrong for the record, but it's something um, in those ballparks for sure. Yeah, I can go back in and try to check them. But then also, like, you know sometimes statistics don't have the best modeling but still I think that even if it were done statistically poorly that resonates in a way where I'm like maybe it's not that exactly but that feels pretty damn right yeah Um, when my thyroid started to go haywire um, the general assumption is that hypothyroidism leads to weight gain Mm -hmm. in my case and this is why I can't take Synthroid this is why I have to take my T3 and my T4 separately Um, in my case it resulted in extreme weight loss. Interesting. Um, and and this and I kept going to the doctors because I was like, and I I could feel it. I was like, something is wrong. Yeah, something is wrong. Um, and you know, also out of this, I learned to like check my records and you know, like get my tune-ups and all of that. Wow, I keep using all these car analogies. This is interesting. <laughs> um, but when I lost all of this weight even though I was like, everyone, I think there's something wrong. Um, The assumption was made that I was anorexic. Ah, mm -hmm. And I think at one point, and I dropped down to, now I'm a small person. Like I'm, I'm, I'm short, but I dropped down to, I think 82 pounds. Wow. But again, I am very short. So bad. Well, people made me feel really bad. Well, because not only were you sick, but they were, they were like emotionally punishing you for being sick. The kinds of quote unquote encouragements that I received, and maybe this is cognitive dissonance, or maybe this is just that we need to get better at actually learning how to encourage people. The Uh encouragements which I received were this isn't like, you're just not sexy. Don't you want to be sexy? You look disgusting. Like you look gross. And I was like, wow. Telling someone that they look disgusting, gross, and unsexy is definitely not going to help them. No. And did not help me. 
But it's um, that, I mean, both sides, what's so funny is, I mean, both extremes hear the exact same thing, right? No one will find you desirable unless X, Y, Z. And also it's like, who cares about everyone else? Like, let me, let me feel like the longest relationship I'm ever going to be in. And the one that I can never get out of is the one with myself. Yes. So like, okay, fine. You find me disgusting. Thanks for now making me find myself even more disgusting than I already did. Yes. For something that is outside of your control. And even if it was inside of your control, I mean, let's say that you, you did have an eating disorder at the time. And that is the reason you were losing weight. And you still should never fucking say that to someone. Oh my gosh. No, you never say that to anyone, no matter what, in any circumstance. Yeah. You never tell anyone, don't you want to be found attractive? That's not a thing. Um, but I'm so sorry that happened to you. Oh no, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sorry for all the stuff that happens to people who don't, you know, but, um, That they actually, the one of my family members wanted to, and this is a real trigger for me because I mean, even up until the 70s, you could basically put a woman into a sanatorium, yes, against her will. Freaks and me out. One of the only ways and play, I mean, if if you have to have to do a 5150, that's 72 hours, right? Yeah, but when it comes to anorexia, you can essentially still lock someone away against their will for much longer than 72 hours and that's what uh one of my family members who also has their own of course personality issues uh, tried to do how um, terrifying tried to basically have me uh committed long term against my will oh my gosh and i fortunately like that's my worst nightmare right yeah um all of your agency taken away because of an incorrect assumption and the unwillingness to believe you when I finally got my records um and I was like no they say it's because of this and yes and they're like no no but hypothyroidism means this and I was like are you an endocrinologist right is it okay no (laughs) let me tell you what my endocrinologist said yeah and so then they kind of had this like weird moment and then when I tried to address it later um, this particular person said, well, I never said any of those things. Now, this is someone who gaslights me frequently, um, and it's course. something that I have to deal with. But um, I'm going to bring this back to the statistics because I developed and still have body dysmorphia. Sure. I do not know. And there are a lot of other factors that go into play with this. I think part of it is being a uh, mixed race and, you know, sometimes and it's not meant in a bad way. Um but it just happens. Um, each side of your family say that you look like the other, which kind of feels like each side is rejecting you. Oh yeah, I get that. Um, and not enough. And when people like are like identify yourself, like almost like the Borg, like identify, you know. And, <laughs> and you can, like, like I'm a lot of things. Like I'm not just like like what you want me in my entire like 23 and me. It's like all over the map. Um, yeah. But that also means that like I don't know what table to sit at. I don't mm-hmm. know where I can speak. Because I'm not enough of any one thing. And I know we all talk about intersectionalism. Too much of all the others, right? Yeah. And we talk about intersectionalism, but like when you are intersectional and you're like, I don't have a table to sit at and I don't know who I can speak for. Um, I can speak for myself, but like, who is that? Yeah. And and I don't know how to define it. And everyone wants me to define it. And then on top of that, to then have this like additional body dysmorphia of then still, I look in the mirror. I have no idea what I see. I'm terrified that beach season is coming up. And I'm like, am I too fat? Am I too thin? Am I grotesque? 
And then I have to remind myself, I'm like, if I'm taking care of my health and well-being, then everyone else can literally shove off and yes. who cares? But um, one of the things that, that actually my mother, who is lovely, she's passed, but she, she was my shining light. She found a study that something that really helps people. And interestingly enough, she was also hypothyroid, but extremely underweight. Um, mm-hmm. But they found that taking photos of yourself that do not include your face. Mm. And then especially like sometimes if you, if you do this in treatment, they'll show you a whole bunch of different bodies with no faces and include one, like a hundred and like one of them is yourself. Right. And then a lot of times they have you like place your body in the lineup of sizes, right? Yeah. To help you kind of, to help you quantitate the way. Help you see bodies. yourself. Yeah. Um, I had, Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. So that's, you said those statistics and I was like, wow. Yeah. And there's something about, and, and I know that there's also the feminist perspective of all of these statues that are just naked bodies, but I'm like, but also there is a way in which if you're just taking photos of your body without your face, you can actually reclaim your body. In I have a weird never way. thought about it that way. That's really interesting. Yeah, no, totally. I can absolutely see the value in that. But I, I interrupted you. You were about to say something. Oh, it wasn't anything important. It was about porn, obviously. Um, oh, that's important. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Important. <laughs> so something else that I wanted to say beyond just like taking pictures of my body is that I started seeking out uh, video pornography of people who looked like me mm-hmm. because I had an image in my head and it goes back to that desirability piece of like, even if I like myself, am I desirable? Which in a perfect world wouldn't matter, right? I wouldn't care, but I do care. I actively care about it. I want to be desired and found attractive and I'm working on it. And it just is what it is for now. In that, I started looking at bodies that looked like mine and how they moved in sexual contexts. Mm -hmm. Because like, you know, when you have sex with a partner, you get in your own head and you're like, oh my gosh, am I making this face? What do my chins look like? How are my hips angled? Blah, blah, blah. And good luck achieving orgasm while you're worrying about all of that. Oh yeah. No, never. No, God, that's very cute. No. (laughs) So like watching bodies, watching these women just really enjoy themselves in front of a very public audience Mm -hmm. helped me view my body that maybe culturally wasn't considered sexy universally in a very positively sexual light. Mm -hmm. It's just that exposure piece of really it's almost like looking at someone else's body who looks like mine is almost like looking at my body without the face. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I don't know. It was really helpful for me. Um, just to watch a body that looked like mine move in a context that I would rarely get to see my body move in that way. Yeah. It felt safer than like making my own sex tape and trying to watch it. Like, Ooh, no, no, I'd rather no, just watch no. porn, right? Yeah. Like, watch someone else. Yeah. So it's a, yeah, it was really helpful for me. That's I get why fascinating. that body thing would work. You just came up with a whole other treatment method. That isn't included. <laughs> like, I mean, the, yeah, for the yeah. record right here, right now, that is, that is Jess's IP everyone. So if there's a doctor <laughs> that starts to do that, you're, you're infringing yeah. on her intellectual property. A hundred percent. Yeah. That porn therapy, Jessica Manuzak, LLC. <laughs> um 
so I had one, uh, I, let's see, actually, I have one, two, three, I have a few more questions. Um, Great. You had, I have about 20 more minutes, just okay, so you cool. know. So you had talked briefly about um, dabbling in polyamory, and I feel like there is a lot of, and we've done some interviews with people who are in polyamorous relationships, um, and I think that something that came out of those conversations is the need to actually define what it is because I found that a lot of people don't actually understand what it is and conflate it with swinging or being in an open relationship and it's actually incredibly different and so different yeah if you could maybe like give us a help help us to understand what it is and why no you're getting it wrong 